Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. Journey with us and start to find your way through this net one life. Sarah, have you ever heard people talk about inflammation and wondered, what the fuck is that really? So I have heard the the word inflammation like a lot, but to me, I immediately think about a rash or Mm. a bruise. See, I think about swelling Mm, or heat, you know, like. Um, I cut myself and it got infected and so it's going to be inflamed because it's like Mm -hmm. visibly red and hot and like all of that. Yes. But then we start going down this podcast road and the word inflammation is thrown around a lot. Comes up quite a bit. Right? Like, oh, it's just, it's just inflammation. It's just inflammation. So Sarah and I were like, we need to actually know what the fuck they're talking about when they're saying it's just inflammation, because apparently this is a huge body process that can not only impact your day to day, but can impact like long term health issues. Absolutely. I when we first started going into like inflammation, what have you, I was like, okay, so are you telling me that my guts are inflamed? Meaning that, like I just said, there's a rash, like you can actually see something happening within my guts, uh, some visible sign of irritation. But I like, after reading, inflammation can be a sign of good. Or a sign of bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's first define inflammation. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's where I started. Because I literally yeah. I started doing research and I was like, what is inflammation? Yep. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary of Inflammatory, you know, whatever. It, because we think we know, but we don't really know. So, and especially when it comes to terms we throw around in everyday vernacular like everyday conversation versus the actual medical definition of inflammation because it is a body process which to me was like oh you mean oh that's what so there's actually something happening in my body when you say the word inflammation um well and for me so not to belittle or anything but 
for me, the easiest way to approach circumstances like this where we're like, well, what exactly is inflammation? That question is more of like, okay, so what has inflammation been defined as? So that way, moving forward, when we have this conversation, everybody is on the same level. We are all right. on the same page. <laughs> Let's level set and make sure we're communicating here, people. Exactly. Exactly. So inflammation by definition, and this is from WebMD. Now, I don't go to WebMD very often because there's a lot of, I don't know, generic information out there. Um, I like places like Healthline. Sarah and I have talked about that in the past um, because their articles are validated by medical professionals. Um, I also tried to go to edu sites educational like uh university sites yeah harvard has a great health um website uh and they do a lot of research and stuff like that so i yes so but for basic understanding i wanted a website that was going to explain it to me in everyday english (laughs) and so webmd is where i found a definition of inflammation that made sense to me i could visualize what was happening So Mm -hmm. they state that inflammation is a process by which your body's white blood cells and the things they make protect you from infection from outside invaders such as bacteria and viruses. Okay, so I'm like, all right, yeah, you get sick, you get a fever, your white blood cell count goes up. I know all of those things. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So this is inflammation. But in some cases, inflammation happens and your body was not triggered by bacteria or viruses your body just starts producing white blood cells and that's autoimmune disease your body is creating inflammation not to fight off something but just because and that's where you get like arthritis is one of the most common autoimmune that's inflammatory um diseases yeah so and scaling it back even further so i did the same thing where you're looking to see what is inflammation and what exactly does that mean for our body specifically Mm -hmm. and uh, the releasing of white blood cells is exactly as you said the first one of the first things that comes up now my train of thought was what are white blood cells like Mm -hmm. What makes these so special and why are they so necessary and so important to inflammation specifically? Because if we're thinking about inflammation of the gut, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, what are those white blood cells doing for me? And I found out that, okay, first of all, this is like a real like science lesson for me. Found out that white blood cells make up only 1% of your blood like what your blood is actually made up of, and that there are five types of white blood cells. So white blood cells aren't even like one thing. Like they go further than that. There are five of them. They're specialization within their ranks. Right, exactly. It's it's really insane because if you've ever had a blood panel done mm -hmm. and you get the results back and you see all those like like symbol, not symbols, shortened acronyms for specific things – those are the types of like white blood cells are all listed there. You know, you're like, oh, what's the encephal, you know, whatever. I forget all the names of them. But yes. And it's funny that you even mentioned it because I literally just took my knowledge for granted. Oh, yeah. Because you literally said that. I have to go back and think, what are white blood cells? I'm like, oh, 
I totally just took that information as like everybody knows that. Well, and it's one of those things like we were just mentioning. It's a term that is thrown around and like people know like we have white blood cells and that we need them. But like it's just general information. We don't know the specifics behind it. So finding out for me that white white blood cells are not just white blood cells, that that's just a term to give specific cells like as you said you're categorizing them right it's like well what do they do well you know they all help you when you're sick but when you really get down to it it's like well if you're fighting a virus then this little guy goes out and he gets triggered and they each do their own special thing and and they can replicate like nobody's business only on demand so that's why when you go in you're like i'm not feeling well i'm at the doctor and they're like, okay, let's take some blood. One of the this things that they're looking. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that they're looking for is are your quote white blood cell count high? Like mm-hmm. Sarah just said, your white blood cells, when you're healthy and well, normally only make up one percent of your blood. If you are sick, experiencing inflammation, or fighting off something, or even if you broke a bone, okay. Mm-hmm. Your body starts mass producing, quote, white blood cells, whichever type is needed, and sends them where they need to go to start the healing process. Now, mm-hmm. and it's it's life will out kind of mentality. So, like, it starts the process of whatever is going to sustain your life the longest. So, if you are bleeding profusely, it starts the coagulation process. Yep. Before it would start mending your bone, it would stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Or even simultaneously. One just takes longer than the other, right? And so, yeah. So our bodies are fucking amazing. Again, and if we really dial it back even further, the signals that are making all of that happen are hormones. All back to the hormones. Yeah. Well, and it's it was even more like, okay, so as I say, I, I've been to the doctors recently, last week, uh, last weekend, for whatever yes. reason, my body decided to attack itself, and I, to this day, I still have absolutely no idea what happened, and I'm still recuperating from it. But and to be clear, it's gut-related. It it's is gut-related. Totally gut-related, but really weird because you've been doing so well with what you've been eating. Exactly. So I've been uh, keeping track of my diet, and uh, especially after re- receiving those test results for the... Um, Uh, intolerances and what have you. So one day, one morning, all of a sudden, my gut was in so much pain that I was doubled over and could not walk anywhere. Um, At some point, it turned into me throwing up. I had diarrhea. Like, it was a mess. It was really bad. So because it was so sudden, I decided to go to the doctors. Well, because those symptoms could be so many different things. Right. They, one of the things that they did was they took a blood test. And for sure, they were checking my white blood cells to see, okay, well, is there any sign of like infection or a virus or any of those um, scenarios that Amanda was just mentioning? That's exactly what they were doing. And when my test results came back and they were like, no, you're, blood count looks good to them that meant that there was no nothing triggering 
my cells to attack or to form in one area Mm -hmm. to reproduce. Um, However, during that uh, visit, they, as you're, if you guys have been to the doctors, you know the protocol, you have to answer all these different questions. One of the questions that they ask you is about your medication. If you've taken any medication or if you're on any medication and guess what? I found out from this research that that may be because there are some medicines that affect your white cell count. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so crazy because some of them are like over the counter. Yeah. It's insane. Yes. (laughs) Listen the next week after, um, because we'll be talking about gut issues in other parts of the world and some of the research that I did was specifically to what's allowed for us to put in our bodies in the United States mm. versus other parts of the world. <laughs> and the list is long, people. So awareness and being an educated consumer is so important. And reading labels, like Sarah and I, um, one of the wins for gut issues recently was this turkey bacon that we found, but it was really expensive and it was pre-cooked and, you know, it was like, every two ounces. So Paul did the math and it was like $36 a pound. Mm. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. So we were trying to find something cheaper. We found one that was not cooked that had the same ingredients. But the biggest issue was trying to find uncooked turkey bacon that had a list of ingredients that Sarah and I could actually read and understand. And that wasn't 20 miles long. Yeah. It's no longer... Like the days of our adventures where we kill an animal and, like, string up the meat to dry and salt it. It's, Mm -mm. we don't do that anymore. (laughs) No, now it's, we put a lot of chemicals in it to keep it preserved for a long time or to make it taste a certain way, whatever. And so, the all these turkey bacon options were literally, like, the first ingredients weren't even turkey. Yeah. (laughs) I... (laughs) So I'm like, That's what concerning. is this? What is this even? Um, but we did find two options that are both organic. And it's like literally like five ingredients. Mm-hmm. Turkey, celery salt, all of these things. But to your point, knowing what is going into your body and how it can impact your blood. Because your blood's going to all of your organs. Right, so let's loop this back. How how is this inflammation in these white blood cells affecting our our guts and whatnot? How is it not? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So one of the things that I read, and I'm curious about your thoughts, was specifically about how inflammation impacts um, the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I started up on a research on this research I was not able to fully complete it Mm -hmm. um but there is a project out there that scientists have begun since oh goodness like 2010 so it's been going on for like 10 years now um where they're going worldwide and they're they're testing it they're seeing how the microbiome worldwide is like and it's just it's crazy because 
like we've mentioned in the past, like obviously what you eat is affecting your your gut and it all comes back to if you're eating something that your gut doesn't like for Mm -hmm. one reason or another, it's becoming inflamed. Right. And so just there's a chance that depending on where you're located, where you live and like how you developed and grew up, your microbiome is going to be different than others in a different part of the world by chance, because just simply of how like the world manifests, how mother nature is creating essentially. What, and what bacteria is in your area? What viruses, what are you constantly around? Even the people that you live with, your everyday germs, things like that all impacted. Exactly. So if you're keeping track of what you eat, that might have to include where your food is coming from and which a lot of people are are already like getting into like finding out like the cow industry. Where's my beef coming from? Right. Like, are they grass fed or are they getting shoveled corn? And well, most it, likely if you're eating ground beef, you're getting more than one cow. Right. Like, people so don't realize that. It's not only finding, like, looking into animal rights or humane situations, but it's also literally where is this food coming from and what bacteria could I be introducing into my body? Right. Do they put, did they give them hormones? Do they give them mm-hmm. antibiotics? All of those things impact what you're ingesting. Um, and so when I was reading about the specifically the microbiome and inflammation, it was really crazy how closely connected it seemed like they were mm-hmm. um, to the point where they've be, been able to link specific gut micro microbes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To specific inflammatory diseases like Mm, yeah if you have an abundance of this then most likely you have this you know and so they've done testing around crohn's disease uh, multiple sclerosis and rheumatoid arthritis um and reviewed like people's gut microbiota like composition what was their gut stuff made of to try to see if there were similarities And it looks like that there were. And so they're doing a lot of research to try to say, like, is there a way that we could really, like, reduce or cure some of these inflammatory diseases that we have just by changing a couple of things within our gut um, or changing a couple of things that we eat, you know, whatever. Because Sarah has mentioned this before, um, but the ecosystem in our gut has 10 times as many cells as our entire body. Yeah. Like, we talked about the movie Inside Out. Like, I really think that's what's happening in there. Right. (laughs) There is, like, if our bodies are the earth, our guts are, like, China and India, where all of those people are. All (laughs) And then everybody else is living (laughs) everywhere else in our body all spread out. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's packed. It's jam-packed. The population is intense. Or at least it should be, unless you're doing stuff like Sarah and I to kill it all off and make the bad guys take over. I I think I have a battle of West Side Story going on. It's like, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Oh, my God. Well, 
So we talked about Healthline before, and Healthline actually does have a list of foods that you want to avoid to reduce the inflammation within your gut. And surprise, surprise, or maybe not so much of a surprise, it's a whole bunch of foods that we already know we shouldn't be eating. Um, The sugar, the carbs, the processed foods. Um, There's actually some oils that they suggest you not eating either, uh, which I found interesting because they match up with my intolerances, like vegetable oil and corn oil. Um, and, and then of course alcohol. So it like reading the actual list of what is common to inflame your gut. It was like, yeah, that makes sense. So this is why I love these research episodes because I went a totally different route. And I said, what should I be eating? Because I don't want to talk about what I can't eat anymore. Don't talk talk about about the negative. Yes. So add some stuff to your diet. Fruits, deeply colored berries, such as grapes and cherries, are the way to go um, in the fruit department. Vegetables like broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and cauliflower. So, like, (laughs) by the way... If you guys aren't on TikTok, there is a TikTok that explains that I think everything I just said is all the same plan. Oh my gosh, broccoli <laughs> is insane, people. You gotta check it out. Yeah, okay, so check me on this, Sarah. Broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and cauliflower. All the same plant, yeah? Hi, okay, the only one I'm not, I can't remember is Brussels sprouts. Oh, see, I can't remember. I couldn't remember. Or kale. cabbage. Cabbage, I remember, because we had a whole discussion about I know, I know. Cabbage. Also, side note, has anybody re- heard about this romaine lettuce water tea? And if you drink it, it'll make you feel high as crap, but also make you go right to sleep. Just oh, yes. tea made from I romaine lettuce leaves. Okay, anyway, I digress. Um, spices like cinnamon and turmeric and healthy fats like olive oil and coconut oil all are anti-inflammatory and that totally makes sense because think about when you guys when I hear of like oh it has it's a hazardous plants crave it's got antioxidants um it's usually things like berries that are dark in color dark leafy greens you know all of these things that have antioxidants in them also obviously are Mm anti-inflammatory so I didn't want to talk about what I couldn't eat anymore I was just like what can I do to add to my diet but also help me, I'm going to add some more, you know, grapes and broccoli and shit, which I love. Yeah, mm. for sure. Um, One of the things that made me laugh is that stress is directly linked to inflammation. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> tip number three was, like, reduce your stress. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. We just did an episode on that, and that is not easy to do. I was like, and here we are again. Yeah. The brain gut link. Like, you guys, it's so strong. (laughs) The link is strong. Yeah. (laughs) Strong it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, and then ensuring that you're getting the right, right amount of nutrients. There's been a lot of discussion out in social media land about, like, micronutrients and tracking not worrying about calories, not worrying about anything that like that, but just tracking your micronutrients each day and trying to understand 
how much vitamin B am I getting? How much, you know, all of those different things um, am I getting? And if you're eating enough fruits and vegetables and things throughout your day where you're hitting all of those, like your magnesium level, your vitamin B level, your vitamin D level, that your inflammation would naturally be lower and that you would have a healthier lifestyle. Um, so there's apps that can track it. I've never personally done that. I have a hard time tracking food. Yeah, I was about to say, you can do this either writing it down physically, like in a journal, a food journal, mm -hmm. um, or there, as Amanda stated, there are apps to assist. I know for myself, when I was first going on my gut journey a year ago, um, over a year ago now, um, the app that I used, it was... It was it wasn't bad. It was very good for just starting out. It's called My Symptoms and it was a free app, but essentially like you can each day jot down what you ate and like put in some specifics and um it will keep track of it for you. It has like analysis on it. Mm -hmm. And it was it was pretty good, but like like Amanda's saying, it's one of those things where you you have to force yourself to do it. So some people are not ones to like con constantly keep track of something as common as eating. I know for myself, it was definitely almost like an afterthought unless I was um, super into me keeping track because it was getting down like right before I went to see the doctor mm -hmm. I was hyper focused on my gut but for day to day um I don't know it, I'm trying to think if there's any other way really of keeping track that f different ideas for people yeah so I the one thing that I've been trying to do is use Siri or mm, whatever nice. audio devices that you have in your house, because then you don't have to physically go find something to write down. You don't have to, you know, keep something with you at all times, because my biggest issue is we've talked about food on this podcast in the past and how I really am trying to find replacements for things that I eat every day because I like to snack. Like I, mm -hmm. with the stomach issues that Sarah and I both have, um, I feel like the only way that I feel like I'm actually eating enough, because I can go, I can go probably two or three days without eating a meal. Nope. And I know you're different, but I, my mood definitely shifts. Like you can tell I have not eaten, Yeah, um, but it is, uh, it's kind of scary because I won't feel hungry. So I need stuff that I can just snack on and pop in my mouth without thinking about it so that I'm in the kitchen. And honestly, this is how I probably have a very unhealthy relationship with food and we should go down this path eventually. But <laughs> my thought process isn't I'm hungry. I should eat something. My pro my thought process is, oh, shit, it's 930 and I've been up since six and I haven't eaten anything. I yeah. my body probably needs food. My brain will probably feel better if I have food. It's not like, or it's I'm bored and something sweet really sounds great right now. Yep. <laughs> so those are my I two have that things. too. So um, I struggle with tracking my food 
because I'm a snacker by nature because of that thought process. Like I'm like, oh shit, I should eat something. And then I'll just pop a couple of grapes in my mouth from the refrigerator or I'll just grab, you know, whatever I prepped. So what I found is that by using all of the devices that are around us at all times, (laughs) um, I can just call out to my phone or to my home pod and just be like, Hey, you know, this person on my iPhone, um, add this to my list. And then I just add it to my food list. This is what I ate today. You know, and I can be like 10 grapes, whatever the case may be. No, that is so smart. That is amazing. I, I don't think I would have honestly thought of that. We have an Alexa, but we don't necessarily utilize her very much, Mm. but it's so simple and Mm -hmm. it's so easy. It really is. And, um, Both of them also have uh, ways that you can create your own routines. So if you tell Alexa something specifically, or if I tell Siri something specifically, if I've created the routine in the app, it will execute on it, how I've programmed it. And so um, like one of them is like, oh, you know, you can tell your house to go to sleep and then all the lights that you have programmed will shut off. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can do it in... For other ways, like maybe you're trying to meditate and, um, or, okay, for the food. You could do it so that at 9 a.m. every morning, it's reminding you to eat. Or that at 9 a.m. every morning, it's saying, hey, Sarah, make sure you eat something and tell me what you ate. And then, Mm -hmm. so if you guys have trouble with food, Tra- and Or if you have trouble tracking your food and you're really trying to track it to see if you have a deficiency somewhere and that might explain some of what you're, go- you know, you're trying to go down the path yourself, I highly suggest using a automated assistant. Is that what they're called? Anyway. Can be. Virtual assistant, whatever they're called. So, um, because most likely, you ha- if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely have somebody some kind of device. I say somebody like it's an entity. <laughs> um, some kind of device that you can talk to. They have and been I named, can... so. <laughs> I know. They are. They are. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. That freaks me out. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, before they take us over, you can at least tell them what we like to eat. <laughs> and they'll keep track. Exactly. Um, and I believe some of the apps even integrate with them. And then, so all you have to do is say, hey, Alexa, add this to my blah, blah, blah app. And then you're doing it, and then you can even get an email sent to you that says, here's all your micronutrients at the end of the day. Ooh, a recap. Yeah. There's lots of ways to do it. We have technology at our fingertips. Uh, So, anyway, inflammation. Inflammation's a big deal. Um, We kind of mm, said it at the beginning a little bit, but essentially minor, like, inflammation that happens uh that pops up once in a while that's understandable and that's fine typically our bodies can handle that but for inflammation that lasts for a longer time they call it chronic inflammation um that is what amanda was mentioning that will lead to larger and longer health issues um where it starts affecting like your heart or um the your blood itself um, diabetes Mm-hmm. That's can, that's a great example. You can get cancer. Yeah. It's yep. just, it's a whole list of things where if you're 
constantly inflamed your body it just it can't handle it so um this is just one avenue we want to keep a healthy gut and just make sure that it is not angry and one way to do that is to feed it good food word so know where it comes from like sarah was mentioning um know what's in it like we were talking about labels and also like did they give their cows hormones? Did they give the cat, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last thing I want to end this on, Sarah and I are going to be having an upcoming episode where we talk about gut issues of yonder and <laughs> of your and all of those things. No, but really. We are I'm, adventurers. So yes, we, we are. Adventure. Um, we have some Renaissance fairs coming up in our future. And so we were talking one day about, wonder what it was like to have gut issues back before plumbing back before it was definitely not proper to talk about it or maybe it was and we'll find out because people lived in close quarters shared one you know one bathroom or one pot if you you know (laughs) didn't even have a bathroom so um we're gonna do a little history there but one thing that kept bouncing around in my brain during this discussion on inflammation was Inflammation during that time was a word that was used to explain every body process that basically doctors at that time didn't understand. Mm. It was either inflammation or consumption. Yeah, consumption was a big one. Yep. Yeah. And all I think about is Outlander when she's like, it's weak, it's is it infected? It's infected. And then she's looking at she's like, oh, oh, I mean inflamed. Yep. It's inflamed. And so this whole discussion, and this could be because I'm high people, maybe. It's a high idea. But we're probably calling it inflammation because we just don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> I mean, it very well could be. So going back to the very beginning of us discussing this, that's why we put down that definition. We right. are... We have to start at a baseline of understanding because, yes, terms change all the time, especially when it comes to the health industry, because they're practicing medicine. They are finding new things all the time. They're able to, like, separate and define different, not only, like, physical things, but just stuff that happens to our bodies right and so I think about your comment about white blood cells we Mm -hmm. probably call them that because there was a time in science where all we saw was red and white blood cells yeah when it's okay you guys want to hear something super gross about history that I learned in college Ooh, let's do it so apparently back in the day um when uh, the world was highly religious uh they thought that pus because it came out white at times and it was lighter of color than the blood of your body they thought that was a sign of purity and goodness and so they would rub it against other people's wounds in hopes that it would cure them it didn't work obviously because that's disgusting yeah they pretty much did gross i thought you were gonna I thought you were going to say something else. Um, no. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's important. Gross. Don't rub pus on other people. Please don't. <laughs> Thank you, adventurers, for joining us today. We hope this helped you find tips and tricks to loot the booty. 
Find us on natonelife.com and check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to follow us more on our day-to-day. May your poop be regular and bubbles minimal. Stay Stay sassy sassy and gassy. gassy. Till next next time. time. Nice. Child of love, a nat one like, a nat one like. You work all day and make no pay, and debt is mounting every day. A nat one like, a nat one like. When the world seems to be slowly crushing your dreams, anxiety, depression, doubt. This nat one life is shitting on you. through this night.